This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to episode 19 of the One Was Had a Dream podcast. Tonight we'll be discussing the games against Plymouth and Fleetwood over Easter. And then we'll move on to the vote for the uh, Broncos going share. The Don's Trust, uh, are we getting enough engagement? Uh, and how do we move on to getting more people involved with the Don's Trust and in voting in big cases? Uh, so on tonight's episode, I am joined again by Danny Baker. And we've also got Jamie Slevin on tonight. So how are you doing, lads? You all right? Good, thanks, mate. Happy, happy Easter to everybody. Um, hope everyone's well. And uh, yeah, let's see if we can pull a rabbit out of the hat, so to speak. <laughs> so you all right? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks for having me on. Um, lots to get through today. So I'm looking forward to getting stuck in. Yeah, it will. It's going to... It's, we've been quite positive lately, which I don't think is going to be the case on this episode, which is a shame. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Easter's Easter's not been kind to me for my weight. Uh, but then the whole of lockdown's not been kind for my weight, to be fair. So, uh, and also there's big things of obviously talking about. There's been loads said about mental health. I think one of the big things about mental health is not watching Wimbledon probably because watching the games at the moment is <laughs> causing my mental health all all over the problem. So. We'll start with Plymouth. Well, the key thing with mental health is to talk about it, Lee. And we're doing that. <laughs> so, anyone out there, if you're on your own, talk to somebody. It could be about Glenn Hodges, about Robbo, about your weight. The most important thing, lads, is to talk about it. So, uh, yeah, let's well, get it off your chest, Lee. And we'll move well, on. Well said. Well said, Danny. Well said. So, first off, Plymouth. Let's talk about Plymouth first. Who wants to start us off with the game against Plymouth? I'll have a go here. I think, you know, not all defeats are made equal. There are some defeats that you think, well, this is sort of contributing to this kind of performance is contributing towards something that is going to come good in six months. And really and truly a point would have been great or three points would have been wonderful, but we can take it. Plymouth and then to a greater degree Fleetwood didn't really feel like that. These felt like games where there was slight missed opportunities. We weren't abysmal, I didn't think. We've certainly played worse, but we showed a little bit of a lack of initiative. And I wonder if that's a lack of winning games regularly. I wonder if that's a youth thing. But they were games, there was just a version of Wimbledon that you could have imagined going there and playing not terribly dissimilar to how we played, could have got something. So I thought they were quite frustrating. I mean, certainly Plymouth was frustrating. Yeah, no, I, I agree with what you're saying there, Jamie, uh, with regards to that. I think a lot of it is to do with being naive. We've got uh, a very young manager, uh, coach, Again, we alluded on this on a, a previous episode with regards to not having an assistant manager, uh, which I don't think is helping Robbo. I, I, I'd like to see someone in with him now because I think some of the decisions, especially against Plymouth, I didn't think were that good. I think they had that one shot against us uh, and scored with it. I don't think they put us under loads of pressure. They weren't. They didn't have any form at all when we played them. Uh, but we just tippy-tappy around and we don't really have any threat up front. 
I think for me, I only I actually only got the second half. I was, I was in the middle of a horrendous round of golf, and then I got back for the second half. Um, and all I actually saw was the positives of it. But it's just again, it's one of those things now where I've listened over the number of weeks about the podcast and people predicting three goals here or three one or three two. We we don't look like we're going to score a goal, and it's just that no matter who we've got up front, we we don't look like we're going to create anything in terms of for the right people. I saw Hennigan's miss at the end, which was which was an absolute killer. I just don't see where we're going to score enough goals to put ourselves in a position. And unfortunately, as as alluded over over the week, I kind of feel that we've reached this tipping point between a long-term process and a short-term success. And I don't think we've got the short-term success sorted. I think long-term, I don't feel quite so bad, but short-term, I just can't see us getting enough to, to warrant a real... A, a positive opportunity and chance to stay up. I'm just really struggling to find it at the moment. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about the goal threat. You know, football's about balance in some way. And I read that we haven't scored in six of our 13 under Robbo. And we have, to be fair, looked generally better defensively. But if you're not going to offer much going forwards, individual mistakes really hurt. And Plymouth was at Plymouth and Fleetwood was sort of that just being demonstrated. We looked fine. Plymouth weren't that great. I was expecting them to be better than they were, given where they are in the league. The worrying thing for me, though, is we're almost at that time of year where you want to be playing teams in mid-table. You know, you look at it and think, well, they don't have a massive amount to play for. And with Plymouth, it was the type of game where had we been a little bit less tippy-tappy, a little bit more direct, a little bit more certain and sure of ourselves, even without much of a goal scorer, um, pig aside, it seems likely we could have got something. So I agree, frustrating. It's so weird as well, us talking about being tippy tappy when we've been we've almost as a as a as a young sort of fan, we kind of grew up watching kind of long balls and player for second, but we just looked painful. And and if I mention the set pieces once, I, I don't know if I'm going to mention it again. Um, I, I can't believe how bad it is. I mean, I genuinely can't believe. I know, I know, in one of the podcasts, bless Robbo, he said over hit every cross. I didn't think they meant it physically mm-hmm. going out for a throw in every time bless him but uh, yeah difficult times to watch us at the moment I think uh, I think Jamie you're spot on with regards to the point of this is the time you really want to be playing the mid-table teams because they've got nothing to play for uh, we'll move on to Fleetwood in a minute but get, with Plymouth they they didn't really look like they were going to bother us too much Tans didn't really have much to do but then we didn't threaten at all I think we had our first shot on target was in the 80th minute uh, against Fleetwood we didn't have a shot on target in the whole game we're playing at home against a team that didn't look like they wanted to be there. They just wanted to come, pick up a point if they could, and then go home. Uh, and we didn't have a shot against them. And, and that's not good enough. That is so not good enough on any level you want to play. I think you mentioned it last time you was on, Dan, when we played Hull. If you get beat in every department, you're disappointed because that's yeah. not you, 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 you expect. You, you'll get beat by better quality. But against Plymouth and Fleetwood... We just, I don't know, it just looked like we could be playing now and we ain't going to score a goal. Uh, and Pig up front on his own in both the games is not working. And I said today, I'd, I'd, I'd happily have gone and dropped Pig onto the bench and brought him on for 15, 20 minutes. Especially if he's not signing a contract or if he's leaving in the summer, then go with Palmer. We've got Robinson. And, and apparently we've got a guy called Corey Andrews, but I don't even know if he exists. Is that Harry Houdini? Oh, I think the I think the problem I have is that he's so he's so steadfastly staying about playing one up front, and we don't have to play Palmer and Piggott, and I get that. But we've we I don't know we've quite for me a long term thing. Next year, do what you want, but in the short term, if if we have got if we do genuinely want to feel like staying up, you, we can't keep doing this. So this is for me a really interesting thing for Robbo about is he going to be somebody who's prepared to change a little bit and go? Do you know what? We need some goals today. I was amazed when when Piggott came off. I was staggered. I know, I'm, like you, Lee. I think he does need a break massively. But I for the, for the twenty minutes at the end, they had done nothing. I was like, do you know what? I'd rather have a hunt at you today. You can have half off at Accrington. We've got nil nil. It's twenty minutes to go. I'm not taking off one and putting on Chislet. I'm just like, we have to go and try and win this game of football. Um, and I kind of felt in many ways, Zanov's been been decent. I, I haven't written home like everyone else has about Zanev, but I think he did okay again today. But we we deserve that. We deserve the fact that lack of ambition, the lack of shots on target at home in a relegation is as bad as... It's just... It's pathetic, really. And it's such a shame because we must have more about us. 
And again, I was reading the stuff on Facebook about why don't we just put some decent crosses, put the wingers on, put two of them up front, put a cross in. Well, the Oxen and free kick today <laughs> for Fleetwood. I mean, I'm not being funny. It was, you know, it, it was a one bounce. It was like a rugby kick. Just like you could put anyone on that pitch, put Michael Jordan on the pitch. Yeah, he's not getting to that. I just don't understand. You know, I, there's just too, for me, there's just too many faulty parts to our banged out motor of survival that I'm not sure we're going to do it. But I'd love us to to be competitive. But again, I said it last time and I said it again, do we really want to do this again next year? Do we want to have this again with there's no salary caps, players are going to be, we're going to lose Pigger. I mean, do we really want to go through this again? That's the question I'm asking everyone. I don't know if, I, if I'm going to be able to watch it again, this stuff all year. I don't know. See, I'm glad you brought up the Oxon and uh, free kick because that's when I turned off. Oh, really? I, turned off, I turned off at that stage because I, I saw it, I thought, right, this is an opportunity. But then I looked at the box, I saw four Fleetwood players all at the front post. I thought, where, where, where's our players gone? So I knew we're, we're looking at getting it back post, hitting it across, so then we can header it back across the goal, try and get a goal. Uh, and then it just went, it went, I don't know what happened with it. It was an absolute ridiculous free kick. I just thought, no, nah, I've, I've had enough of this. And again, reading on Facebook, reading on Twitter and stuff like that, people, not many people are watching the games anymore. People are just done. I think people are, uh, would happily take relegation now because we're we're that done with it. I, I know I'm I'm getting I'm getting close to being done with it as well. Uh, but Robbo's interview after the Fleetwood game did did piss me off a little bit because he said that he he's not going to go long ball. But there's sometimes you have to mix it up. If you lose it, you're drawing a game or losing a game. Put Palmer on. Put Robinson on. Go for it. Okay. We're so scared of not losing games, and football's just gone that way now that teams are so scared of not losing. That you end up, we end up losing anyway, and, and I'm not going to have a go at Nick because he's made a mistake. He's yep. better than Walker by a country mile, yeah. right? And he's kept us in games, and, and one, he's made one mistake. That's one, right? But today we didn't lose that game because of Nick Zanef. We lost that game because we didn't have the bottle to go out there and try and win it. We did not have the bottle to keep Pig and Palmer on. Maybe Rin Robinson. On. Where was I, Rudoni and Oxarn? And were like ghosts out there today that I didn't even think they were playing against. Uh, uh, sorry, on Monday against Fleetwood. Yeah, I mean, this was sort of our annual, almost annual April home defeat against Fleetwood that looks like it's going to bury us. I remember a few years ago, uh, Paul Robinson coming on up front in the mud <laughs> and losing the game 1-0. But you're it's right. Like, I mean, it was really, really wet at us. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And it should, and it should it have been called off. It was ridiculous. It should have been called off, really, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I don't know if it's lazy or whatever, but it seems right to me that... Football at this level is one in the boxes. You know, if you can be good in both boxes, you've got a real chance. And if you're not brilliant in both boxes and we're not, you have to give yourself a chance by having numbers and putting things into areas. And to go like for like in the way that we did with pig off was just massively frustrating. And on the point about, well, you know, I would take relegation now. Can we do this again next year? I've got to tell you, I haven't really enjoyed it since we got promoted. No, I mean, I moments, but uh, it's, it's been difficult. tough. It's really tough. And like I said, like you said, Jamie, it's sort of, you've got to be good in both boxes. I, I, th I think we can all agree we're, we're, well, hopefully we can agree anyway. I was just going to be an awkward hour. But I think we're better now than we have been. I think that's a positive. And I think that the other thing is that as fans, I feel that we're behind Robbo long term, which is good. So that's at least a couple of things. We've got something. And at least we're defending better than what we have done. So there are elements of it. I just... I just find it staggering that we've got a guy who, who is very processed and talking about lots of different things, which I think is wonderful. But we just looked. I, I honestly felt that we could be playing for the rest of the week and not get close to a goal. And the fact, like you said, a team in mid-table who their form has been very pants. In, with a, I don't particularly rate Simon Grayson as a manager. I don't really rate them as a club. I think they've got rid of all of their best players. And I think that they were absolutely a club for the taking. And I've said to my dad, and I'll, I will reiterate this, I feel that if we don't get a back-to-back -back win somewhere, just for confidence, just for those six points, I can't see it. And we've got eight games to go. And Accrington is a... I think we got a 4-4 draw up there once, which was, I think, the, the time when I thought Ardley was going to go and we sort of spun it round. And obviously the playoff, but um, we, we need something desperately. Really bad. See, the thing is, you look at the fixtures just gone and there was games that we had to win there. Uh, Northamptons and things like that uh, yeah. and other games. Uh, and Wigan, I think we drew with Wigan. I can't remember because I'm getting so sick of football. Not, yeah. It's unreal. But I want to ask you two a question, right, regards to Robbo keeps going on about characters and processes and bigger picture. 
he said today after sorry he said on Monday after the uh, Fleetwood game in his interview yeah, it, was on, it was on Monday it wasn't today <laughs> it was on Monday Lee alright he said after his interview he said uh, that it's a pleasure to work with these guys right and he goes on about character and I, I'm fuming with the players I think they've all this year been absolutely horrendous a lot of them if he's looking at players with character and stuff like that how many of these players are we keeping if we stay up in League One next year or even go into League Two, because one of the big ones for me is we were missing Woodward, uh, Woodyard today, right? He was suspended for two games over Easter. If I remember right, he was suspended again at Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it just seems like he gets booked for silly little things. This is our club captain as well, or a captain at the moment that's missed Christmas and missed Easter. Little family at home. Is it a coincidence that he's missing these games because he wants to have a few days off? It might be just me being a fan and being like, do you know what I mean? But how many of these players are we keeping at characters? And also one more thing, sorry. If Hennigan thought that he was playing in the championship last season, that geezer is a, like, he's off his head. Yeah, there's a few things in there. I think Lee Boyer, I think, did one boxing day in his whole career, right? He missed them. <laughs> so I mean, Neymar with his sister's birthday, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like seven years in a row. I mean, there's a few things in there. The first is, do you know the last time we won two games on the spin in the league? Oh, good question. 15 nope. and a half months. Was it really? I was look. I was going to look into that. I didn't, obviously, but I'm glad that you did. Yeah, you know what? I, the Jamie's on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, looked into it's probably generous. But we last won two games in the spin 15 and a half months ago. Uh-huh. On on Woodyard, it's tough because, you know, who knows whether he's if he fancies Easter Monday, um, with his family. But he is one of those players, and I thought Wordsworth had a little bit of this too, a little bit of a passion merchant. And like, it's great to have midfielders who like to get stuck in, and we've missed that for sure. But it's, I always think it's sort of an aesthetic booking at times with Woodyard, you know? It's, we'll show everyone how it's done. This is what a central midfielder should be, which is all fun in games until you miss Fleetwood at home. You lose 1-0 and it looks like you're going down. Problem is, though, he's the only one who'll do anything. I mean, literally, that whole midfield, you might, I just feel like it's like one of those escalator things in an airport and they just people just drifting along. And he's the only person who might actually stand up and say something. But going back to a couple of things that Lee said, number one, I, I genuinely, hand on heart, I, I don't, I don't, I'm slightly different to Lee. I don't question their effort. I just don't think they're very good. I just don't think we've got players who have got a particular particular quality for this league. And I think going down a league might actually help their development because I think the jump from Met Police, as an example, to League One is quite high. Secondly, I actually don't think we've got more than three players of League One quality in our squad. And what I mean by that is how many I can honestly think, I think Piggott would get into, let's use an arbitrary, let's say Charlton as an example. How many of our guys were playing in, get in Charlton's squad? Not team, squad. I don't think there's more than Terrell Thomas. I don't think there's more than Piggott. I think Thomas does. I think he's decent. I think Thomas, I think Piggott, and I think long-term, you might go for Radoni as a long-term prospect. After that, I just don't see any of our guys getting in any of these teams. And that's that's the real worry. So I think it's either a mass clear-out or it's, yeah, God help us. I get your, I get your point, regards, but other than Hull and Peterborough, the last few weeks or a few months, I've not seen teams and I thought, well, these are amazing. Like Fleetwood, to the, Fleetwood on Monday, I, did, I thought, I thought Rossetti or whatever his name is, you know, the, the Skowski, Rossetti, I thought he was decent. He, he's what I thought uh, Woodyard would be like, running around, getting the ball. He didn't get booked. He didn't foul a lot. He got the ball, give it. Uh, I, I, I looked at Plymouth, I thought, other than Hard, Hardy up front, uh, well, they're two ex-Rangers men, but other than him, I didn't think, and the, the centre-back maybe, I thought, yeah, they're, they're okay. They're mid-table, maybe that's probably why they're already on the beach. I've looked at it lately. I just thought none of these teams are that good. But, you know, Blackpool. Who, you're right, but who of our guys is going to get in them teams? Well, That's said, a, you're right. They're not good, but who of our guys are actually going to get in that team? Well, I just said a minute ago, Hennigan wanted to get a, a move to the championship. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and do you know what I mean I don't mind? I thought Hennigan would be our best centre back yeah, when I he got injured, that. but he just doesn't look great. I, I'm not. I, I don't want to dig anyone out personally, but I just thought that on on Monday I thought he was horrendous again he's just pumping balls up left right and center yeah that's the thing is someone needs to square the circle for me because i agree with everything that's been said but it can't be true all at the same time that all these clubs are kind of unimpressive but also out of our depth because both are true you know you look at our squad and you think well three of them get into the charlton squad i agree that's a good arbitrary benchmark 
But, you know, you, even when you go to places like Sunderland or Ipswich, you think, I mean, they're better than us, for sure, but not so good that we should be going down. I mean, going down from League One kind of feels like a form of self-harm in a way, because you need to be actively incompetent. Because if your recruitment is just decent, and you play a way that makes vague sense, and have the flexibility to go 4-4-2. I mean, you know, out of the 92 clubs in the Football League, we're the only one who hasn't played a player who's 30 or over. Mm. I mean, and you hear that, and you think, well, what are the elements that keep you up in League One? And one of them... Experience, yeah. Yeah, when to put your foot... Not to go to... Not to go down the trope of like, oh, well, it's all about sort of steel and passion. But you certainly need to know when to clear a ball. And you need to know these lads are here for the taking. And we just seem to miss that. And I don't know if that's because they're all 19 and look like they've just finished their A-levels or because they're just not very good. Probably some combination of. But I'm not sure why we look so much worse than everyone, despite the fact no one's that impressive. No, I get what you mean. There is one positive, I believe, from, from this coming up at the moment, the last couple of games, is Assel. For Assel, his commitment, if you're if you're one of these players that have beat 24, 25, 26, you look at him and think, this is a kid that Robbo, again, keeps going on about that, that he got told he weren't going to make it. He was not going to be a professional footballer at this level. And I thought he was brilliant again on uh, Monday. I, I, I think he's brilliant. Every game I've seen him, he just he tries to take people on. He looks to go in one direction and that's forward. Uh, uh, if, if it wasn't in our own hands now to stay up, I would say send all the loanies back and we'll start going with our own youth, like uh, Quaco, Frimpong, Robinson, and just maybe like if Pig ain't staying, then you put him on the bench and we go with players for next season. My only fear for getting relegated is if you look at that league, I do not want to be playing Sutton. I do not want to be going to Barrow. Do not want to be going Morecambe over going to the places like Sunderland, Charlton, Ipswich. We've been we've been done it for five years. We've just done nothing, and like it's just the, without the without the, the way I felt the wage cap thing was actually our saving grace. I thought the wage cap would have been something where we could go. Do you know what? It's it's our leveler. But getting rid of that as a leveler, it's, you're right. It's nice to obviously where do you want to go? Do you want to go to Sunderland or go to Morecambe? I, I get I totally get that, but just it'll be it would be lovely just to go to watch a game and feel like we're we're vaguely. I'm not saying competitive because we are a bit because we don't you know I don't think we're bad defensively I thought we were great in the middle third because we all we love passing horizontally so it was great to be able to pass right pass left pass right keep the ball go forwards go back but what would be for me the only the only thing I can possibly think about whether we're going to have a chance of going up is if um, if either Robinson Asal who again I was brilliant or Andrews if we ever get any anyone vaguely fit. They are just they they blow us away. They're just something completely random that we've not had. But I, I just yeah. I mean, it's in our, it is in our hands, and with two games in hand, you know what? We're 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 mathematically in a good position, and we've got Accrington, which on Saturday, which hopefully will be a good result. But it's just oh, I don't know. I don't think I don't think each year it's just been knocking a fraction closer, and I just feel like now we're in a position where is it. You know, are, are we generally going to? Is Ethan Chisley, uh, is Robinson, Guinness Walker, are these guys genuinely going to be League One players? I, I don't think they are. Bless them. And they work hard and they try hard, but they're just not very good. And we've seen that with the free kicks and the corners. Sorry, Jamie, go on, I'll shut up now. He's <laughs> going well, on, isn't he? Well, no, I just, it's interesting. Like, I think about that point a lot about, you know, we do look competitive, but why is it that League One is such a bleak experience? And I think for me, it's because we go into every game with a sense of inferiority. You know, I was watching Northampton look much better than us on the ball at our place. I thought, God, wouldn't it be nice to be, I know we won the game, but wouldn't it nice, be nice to be in League Two, finish 10th, win lots of games at home, go 4-4-2 and go into games thinking, hang on, we're not just assuming their lot are better than our lot and they can do things that we can't. And therefore we're gonna have to play a 5-3-2 or whatever it is. And it's that sense of inferiority that I just, I find makes watching us very difficult. I think especially because League One, while you do have the Sunderlands and you'd rather go there than a Barrow and Sutton especially would be bleak. It's not quite exciting enough after five years to sustain yourself as we are, you know? We're not going to really top places. And, you know, even Sunderland now has lost its shine because the novelty's worn off, at least a little bit. And this indefinitely isn't a solution. I mean, I think I'd probably rather, and I can't believe I'm saying this out loud, so sort of have a season in League Two where we have a plan and it's exciting and it's attacking football than doing sort of indefinite I follow 
getting battered by teams like Fleetwood. Well, the only question I had was for you, Lee. You said that March would be the month that we would basically find out. What did you find out about whether we're going to stay up or not in that March series? So this is annoying because we're still in it. You put me because because we're because it's still in our own hands. If we were, I, I think we're going down, uh, and I'm not too upset about it. I, I, I want to stay up, and and I, I think every player wants. Like Robbo said it on here when he came on here. He said these are not bad people. The players, right? They, they they're getting stick at the moment, but this is a season. Remember these these players have been here all season, and it's not been good all season, but. COVID's probably heightened that a lot more than if we were at the games because, as I said, we'd be having this conversation in a pub on Monday yeah. instead of talking about it on a podcast. We'd, I'd be half cut now. By the time I left the pub, I'd be singing Wimbledon songs and wouldn't give a shit. Uh, I think we're going down. And if we do go down, it, I, I think we have enough to come back up. I, I, I like what Jamie said. I, I do like the fact that we could... Could be going to games and thinking, right, we've got Morecambe today. Yeah, I fancy that more than I do if we were playing uh, Charlton at home at the moment. Do you know what I mean? I do fancy us doing well in that league. And that league is slightly easier than our league. Four teams go down. In that league, four teams go up. Uh, yeah, and you know me, I'll go I'll go every pretty much every game anyway. I think most fans will. But uh, I, do, I do think we're relegated. I, I don't know if you two will agree or... Yeah, it's such an interesting question because mathematically it's in our hands, which is kind of remarkable when you think about how many goals we've scored and the fact that those lack of goals represent an improvement. You know, it's not just the fact that we haven't been scoring. It's you go, oh, well, it's actually been better than it has been before. And yet, I mean, the only worry I have about going down to League Two is it's much harder to get to get up than it is to stay up. You know, you can be, as we've ran the experiment a few times now, be pretty dreadful for two thirds of the year and stay up in League One. Whereas I think the highest we've ever finished in League Two is seventh. Um, and even then, that was because we sort of just landed on the formula um, at the last sort of at the last minute. So, I, I mean, the one other question I had for you guys is I was trying to explain the frustration I have and lots of Wimbledon fans have with Joe Piggott. And I was trying to explain it to a flatmate who's an Arsenal fan. And he went, hang on, but aren't you sort of going down potentially? Yeah. Well, hasn't he scored 16 league goals? Yeah. I'm sort of struggling to articulate why he was so frustrating. I was hoping you guys would sort of have a go. I, I find Piggott very frustrating, but I don't know if he suits any systems. That's the problem. I think he's, he'll, he'll be good in a four four two, but who plays four four two anymore? No team does. I, I, I get increasingly... Fr- Look at the goal he scored the other week uh, where it was... He, it's, a, it's a goal scorer's goal. He, he, he knew the player was going to try and clear it. He got in front and scored the goal. Uh, I think Piggott's checked out. I think Piggott's leaving. I, yeah, I think he's on his way out. If you look at the last few weeks... I've not. He, he goes down under any little challenge. His arms are always up, and it, this is again, Jamie. You made a great point there, and this is what me and my mates were talking about. If you look at the two, Lyle Taylor and Joe Piggott, both knew they were leaving at the end of the season. What was the difference between the two of them? Well, hold on a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Lyle Taylor is much better <laughs> than Joe Piggott for one. Lyle Taylor knew he was leaving, but did yeah, he ever yeah. give up? I did don't he... think. I don't think Piggott's checked out. I just think that Piggott's got absolutely nothing to work with. And when we saw the crossing today, the thing with Piggott is it's an illusion. He's a very he's a, he's a six foot one, six foot two forward who doesn't like heading the ball very much. So actually, Piggott is a target man that wants to play with his feet. And we they he has been worked out now that they got Fleetwood example played three centre backs on Monday, and when they were defending against him, he, they basically just bundled him every single time. And Piggott Piggott is going to be a player who I feel that. The Wigan game when he played, we scored and he played well. And the games that he's played well, I always feel that he wants somebody with him. And I think that Piggott needs, which is again frustrating because I do think that Palmer and Piggott would work. I think Palmer would do all the stuff that Piggott doesn't want and Piggott has the opportunity to score. And I would get rid of one of the... I personally wouldn't play Rodoni and I'd have him as an impact sub and I would go to a, a two up front with maybe a diamond behind or something else. Um, but I think that's the problem with Piggott. I don't think he's checked out as such. Because ultimately, I'm not sure at the moment, he was, he's, he'll get further up than a, a, a top-level League One. He won't get a championship gig unless he plays a little bit better because scouts will, will will see him. But in answer to your question, Jamie, around the pig frustration, I think a lot of it is because he gets he's not strong enough to, to keep people off 
he gets bundled over and then then he moans about it and that's not necessarily something that's always endeared with uh, with the Womble fans. Yeah, well, it's interesting because the thing about Piggott, if we're trying to work out whether he's checked out, it's difficult because he's really just, I mean, he's like Matthew Tubbs in a six foot one centre forwards body. You know, he doesn't want to do any of that stuff. Um, and he's never wanted to do any of that stuff. And you'd imagine over three or four managers, someone would have said to him, Joe, when you get a knock, stay on your feet. But if you can't stay on your feet, don't moan at the referee. Um, the interesting thing about Piggott is he did so well with Hansen last year. Um, or the year before now. And I just wonder why we're not looking at that and going, well, Palmer's kind of a similar player to Hansen in as far as he's a centre-forward, let's go two up. Well, that's the problem. And this is, unfortunately, I think one of the things that we have to buy into with with Robbo and Rob Tuvia, listen to his his um, his episode. The problem is, is that he wants, Robbo's taking this as a long-term journey, regardless of what happens this year. And I think that you either go short term and stay up and then implement a long term strategy or you just implement a one a long term strategy and don't worry about the short term. Now, personally, I, I'm, I'm now of the point that I feel that the players that we've got would actually benefit from playing in the league below. And as a club, I feel that we, we would be better consolidating in a lower league with players that we can do. Um, but I just feel that. It's just, it's so frustrating. It's just, it, everything, it just drives you mad. And I think that it's just that balance between, do you go with this long-term process or do you shorten up and try and have an allodice and keep you up? And I felt that we decided long-term, which I don't disagree with, but I don't think it helps a short-term. No, I, I, I kind of, I kind of, I do get it. I, I get it. I love Robo to bits, but at the moment I'm very frustrated with, I'm, I, he's made us better at the back but then we can't score goals to win games and, and three points is what we need. So uh, we're going to have to wrap that piece up with regards to Plymouth and Fleetwood. And uh, I thought that was a great discussion, lads. So yeah, and then we're going to move on and we'll come back and we'll discuss the Don's Trust and London Broncos. Well, welcome back. And as uh, said, we're going to be discussing the vote for the London Broncos to be ground sharing at Plough Lane. Uh, first off, boys, was you a for or against the ground share? I was a for. I'm not a Don's Trust member, but I would have voted for four. Right. I was for it as well. Uh, I the, the reason why I was for this, I just go from my reasons. I thought it would be good for the money. 200 grand uh, isn't too bad. Is that what we get, 200 grand? I I believe, I don't know the full ins and out. I think it's 200 grand and then they'll be paying for their stewarding. They'll be paying for the, I think they're going to be paying for the floodlights to be upgraded as well. If they were to be into Super League, we'd get 500k. Oh, wow. Uh, And I think there's a big possibility now within the next couple of years that they could be voted into Super League now that they have a base. And another reason was that I know London Broncos have been to about 12 or 13 grounds and this is their chance now to get somewhere, a a hub where they can build on and build a community team. There, There is no Super League. There's only one Super League team in the South. That is the London Broncos. Uh, And I'd go watch a game there. I'd go watch Rugby League, have a beer at Plough Lane and give me an excuse to go in the summer uh, and get away from the missus. So, yeah, nice. it's it's interesting. Like, so this isn't based on any particularly deep understanding of the economics behind ground sharing. But my first thought was, two hundred grand isn't a massive amount of money. I mean, we've seen that we can you can spend two and a half grand a week on rubbish, and that's already a hundred and twenty grand on I don't know on who's a good example of someone who hasn't quite made it. I mean, Quasi Appy is too easy, and it was more money, but that <laughs> kind of thing. With that said, five hundred grand sounds great. And I have to say, it doesn't particularly bother me. I mean, Danny, I don't know what you think about sort of the idea of them getting in there before us or anything else, but it didn't massively rile me. I'm, I'm not bothered at all about them getting in before us. The one thing I would say is I can't imagine this 200,000. If I was Palmer, there's no way I'm giving much to the players. I don't think we're the player. I don't think the playing side is going to get much out of it. We've got, and again, this is, this is the, the complexity of these kind of situations. And, and I'm, I'm happy to share. I'm someone that I would welcome outside investment. I think that it'd be something that I think the one of the major reasons why I think this would be good is I think that it can happen. It hopefully will be relatively stable and sensible. 
and it opens up for me, opens up a door where we can look at potentially other areas that we can invest. And it hasn't got to be some oligarch coming in and ruining the club, but it can be someone who might pay for the training facilities or sort out the academy's tour or improve the women's section who I've been doing some work down there and they're doing some amazing work, not just playing, but in the community. Um, and I just feel that this is a, a good opportunity where we can just dip our toes. And there's a lot of, and again, I'm not, I, I, I'm quite ignorant with the Dons Trust, but I feel like it's just, there's a lot of very, I feel anyway, a very aggressive, no, we're a fans club, we don't take anything. And I think this just give, allows everyone just to dip their toes in the water, see how it looks, see how it plays out. For two million over 10 years, if, we, if it all goes to paying off the, the, the ground, which it may or may not do, that's half of it done in 10 years. I just feel like it's a little dip for all of us that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I, again, I don't think the budget's going to get any of the money uh, at all because we have loans, we have bridging loans, we have stuff that needs paying, uh, and this helps. And I'm the same as you, Danny, with regards to I'm, I'm okay for outside investment. I'm, I'm more, I, I like fan-owned, but I don't like fan-run uh, because it, it, it's, it's like, I feel like sometimes it's the, 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 the smaller voices are out, out shouting the bigger picture. Do you get what I mean by that? It's just, you keep getting, if you, it's like you, you see people disagreeing. Some people were all for it and some people were against it. And, and once you were against it, boom, it was like, why, why, why? And you just get shot down straight away. And another point we wanted to raise tonight was that there was, I think just under 500 people that voted for it on the Don's trust. Uh, apparently it was two. We've got two. Jamie, did you vote? Yeah, I voted and I voted four. Okay. Um, but it was interesting because you just mentioned there, I think we're about to mention, it was a low turnout and we managed to conspire to have the vote on the same night as the England game and the Youth Cup, um, which speaks to the fan run thing, right? Fan owned, and I'm a fan of fan ownership, um, is brilliant, especially, the less, especially when you don't get into the details of it. Just as a concept, everyone goes, oh, brilliant. Um, and that's something that I very much sign up to. But the fan run thing, I mean, it's almost as if now we've left king's meadow and we've had to go to plow lane or we have gone to plow lane it's like we've hit puberty or moved out of home or something you know we've had to grow up and part of that is going to naturally be well it's difficult when you grow up because you row with your parents and all the rest and we're going to have these existential conversations about what level of fan ownership makes sense what doesn't i will say though the fan owns the fan run thing the best demonstration of that being at times a problem was the low turnout and the and the date of the vote so I, I totally agree with you. Like the Youth Cup had three thousand people watching our FA Youth Cup, which is brilliant, brilliant for the youth team. And they were great, weren't they? They were great, the boys. Brilliant, yeah. And, and they should have won. It was. I don't know if it was offside. We we can't see the angles or anything like that. But three thousand people are watching that and not watching the Don's Trust. Which again, and and this is my thing with regards to the Don's Trust nowadays. Is there an appetite for it? Is there an appetite? I'm not a Don's Trust member. I'll, I'll admit that now. Because I just sometimes don't see the point of it. I, I, I'm totally I, 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 I'm a bit. I'm a bit confused because I was like trying to look at the maths of it, and I was trying to work out if you. And again, it's such a tricky one. I'm so in the. I'm so in your camp, Lee, in terms of fan own, not fan run. Um, but I, I guess I, I personally, and again, I, I'm happy to be ignorant. I'm happy for people to slag me off. I just don't know what, what the Don's Trust do. I presume that they make big decisions now and then. But I just in my head, I'm like, well. What the hell do I know about how much money we should be charging for our stadium? What do I know about this? And actually, I go to watch football to spend time with my dad, and I love watching Wimbledon. I love watching the game. I love the thought of being fan-owned. I love it. I love the idea of us having this USB. But at the same time, I can only... I don't see much further. And again, if if it was so successful being fan-owned, everyone would do it. But I'll be interested in someone like Jade to sort of go, why is he part of it? Or what? what has brought him to it. Because I do the Don's Trust, the golden goal. I do that. So I pay £120 a year to do that. But I don't pay the Don's Trust thing. Yeah, uh, we're going to get loads of stick for this because there's some on the uh, Twitter that we have. that That's people. Cool. Some it's people were saying, like, I can't see why people wouldn't pay £25 at the moment to be a Don's Trust member. That's all it costs. 
especially at the moment, times are tough, man. People are, are cutting back and thinking, I just want to be a fan. I just want to be a fan. I want to get a board in, in place that we can trust. And I know people are going to go back and go, oh, look what happened in the past and look this. Yeah. We've got Joe Palmer there. Is he is he is he a char- is he in charge? Who is in charge? Like who makes the decisions on a daily basis? I need to now trust that Joe Palmer is going to make the right decisions for us. I don't think he's going to sell us down the line. We have Plough Lane now. Uh and 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 let the decisions be made. I don't want to. We seem to have a vote on everything. Soon it'd be like, do you want hot dogs or burgers? Would you like onions fried or raw? And I just, yeah, come on, Jay, let's have a. Yeah, it's the other way around. You see, I'm interested to see what you what you got to say. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So I think with the Don's trust, there's two things to say. The first is the new Don's trust, as in since the elections, it's probably the best version of the thing we've ever had. If you look at the guys who are now in, Xavier Wiggins, uh, Charlie Torbett, these are the people that set up the Plough Lane Bonds. These are people who have an organizational experience. I mean, I sat in and I did the minutes of the Dawn's Trust a couple of times, and it was interesting just to see how the thing worked, right? And the level of complexity of these decisions that go into running a football club blew my mind. You know, you go in there and you think, God, we really don't need fans on this. We need professionals. Definitely. And with that said, there's something about the Dawn's Trust that is massively appealing. And the fact that we're in League One, having gone from where we started, and we have been fan run for the vast majority, is just the biggest immense credit to everyone. With that said, I'm such a critic of our comms, albeit I think that's now changing with the new, the new board. For me, the idea of being fan owned is too juicy an idea to think, let's not see if we can make something work that's professional, where we're not voting on the hot dogs, because I agree with you that that's totally nonsensical, but nonetheless make it work. I mean, it's interesting. So in Switzerland, right, they've got referendums on everything. You know, in, in Switzerland, every month at the door, apparently you get a pamphlet that says, not really, but facetiously, what do you think about those traffic lights? Now, we want to do the opposite to that. I would much rather not have a say in the vast majority of things. However, I think it probably is important for us to have a vote on the big existential decisions, you know, ground sharing um, or whatever it is. So if we could strip back the l- number of decisions we made, professionalize the operation, which I'm half imagining and half hoping is happening, then I think the fan-owned thing could work really, really well. There's a secondary question about making it financially sustainable, but that's not for now. I, I, I agree with what you're saying there, Jamie, totally. Uh, so do we then open it up to the wider wider fan base? Because I, I, I'll put a question to you that the Broncos thing, if Broncos, say Broncos had 2,000 fans, if they all become Don's Trust members, they could have pushed that vote through anyway. Because that's what they would have said, yes, they want to play at Plough Lane. And we would have had 2,000 votes from London Broncos fans who just paid £25 to be a member. And then they could have pushed that through. We could get 500 scum fans who want to be Don's Trust members who pay up just to get a vote to, to, to do the speckled seats, as they reckon they, they caused that. Do you know what I mean? There was, they, they reckon they, they made us have the speckled seats. Uh, do we not have the bigger votes, the stuff like the fan ownership, outside investment, who plays at Plough Lane, should that then not go to season ticket holders, the benchers, and not just John's Trust members? You know, it depends, I think. It depends on who you want voting as a football club. So you guys are kind of interesting cases, right? Because I was under the impression that people uh, like yourselves who have been Wimbledon through and through forever and run the podcast and love the club like nothing else, generally speaking, were John's Trust members. That was the assumption. Now, the fact that that's not true kind of debases the following point, but I think you basically just want people voting who probably are you guys. You want people voting who love the club, who are involved in the club, etc. And probably not, I could be wrong about this, Mr. I go to five games a season. Not because they're not equally valuable as fans, I really mean that, but because you want different things. If you go to five games a season, well, fan ownership, you're not that fussed about, for instance. You know, it's, it's you want a nicer match they experience in the higher league. And to me, I think the danger with opening it up is what you end up getting is a coalition of people who are just of such a broad demographic with different levels of engagement and interest that all of a sudden the vote becomes less meaningful. With that said, you two not being Don's trust kind of is the counter argument. I think the, the biggest thing for me, and I don't want to get too, I'm going to try and not sound too intelligent, which um, should be very hard. Oh, don't worry. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Don't you? <laughs> it, it likens me to the Brexit conversation. No, I don't want to go into too much detail. I, <laughs> but whoever, wherever people vote, etc. I just don't think enough people know enough about it 
to make an informed decision. Now, when people asked me about the Brexit decision, I was like, do you know what? I don't really know enough about it, but everyone's voting, so I'm going to go with X, Y, and Z. And I've, the problem I've got is, does John in Dagenham, Claire in Rains Park, and Jim in Gibraltar, are they definitely the three people that we want to be voting on this decision? Or do we rather have 12 people who actually know what they're talking about, know what they're doing, having that vote? And I think that's one of the, the big issues. And I love the idea Somebody like Jamie, who's articulated it beautifully, I'd be more than happy for him to have a vote. But I don't, I don't want, I mean, I mean, my wife could potentially be a Don's Trust person. I, she can't name a single player. Why is she voting? Like, it just, I just feel like there's, we have got loads of people who have got, and again, I'll be really harsh here and I'll get criticised for it, but we have got a lot of people who hang on to this Don's Trust as if I own a football club, I, I, I. We've got a lot of guys who hold on to positions at the club that are, I want this, I've got this, I don't want to let it go. And actually stopping and looking, what is the best thing for the football club, not for me as an individual, almost a little bit of a step back. Um, I, I would be interested to, yeah, I think it's more those people who have got the interest. And so if Xavier, as example, went, this is the route I'm going, I would go, I, I know you, I've seen you and I've spoken to you, I'm going to back you. I just, I don't, the idea that the whole, you know, every single person who's on the Don's Trust having a vote, terrifies me <laughs> no no again i'll make you right again we've got apologize the, anyone out there who's been offended i don't mean it it's just it's terrifying <laughs> we've got the best jamie on today's show he's quite glad that the other jamie couldn't make it really because as you said jamie's articulated his point very very well and I, i'm with you on that as well danny like i know xavier so i know what we're gonna get it's, yeah. uh, we had freddie flaxman we spoke to freddie flaxman who went for the don's trust board and i said to him outright i said i had no idea who you were so straight away, I was never going to vote for you. No matter how good your manifesto was, I would not vote for you because we've been burnt like that way before. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know who Charlie Coppel was before he came uh, and pretty much stole our club. And I think that's what scares people is the not knowing what will happen. And they're so scared about the past that we don't look at, as Robbo would say, the bigger picture now. And, and I, I agree with you again. There's We've had this conversation on the podcast before. There's so many people that are involved in the club or got their, their jobs in the club that they're so scared of losing that they don't want to give up that little bit of power for the bigger picture that it might be better if someone else comes in and does it because it'll make it better. Like, as I said, how do we get better engagement for the Don's Trust and get more people engaged and get more people voting? Because if we're going to stay Don's Don, uh, fan-owned, that's what we're going to want. Jamie, the money that, that we get from the Trons Trust, do we, and again, I, I apologise, I want to put you on the spot. What do we do with that money? I mean, a 25, this, what, three and a half thousand people at 25 quid, which is probably not far off 100 grand a year. Where, do, what happens to that money? Where does it go? And what, if, okay, pitch to the people out there and ask, why should we join the Don's Trust? <laughs> Well, I mean, so there's, two, <laughs> so there's two things in there. The first is I don't know uh, where the money goes. Okay, cool. I mean, what does? But it's interesting. It's an it's an interesting question, right? Yeah, it really is. Because, a lot of money. Because it says almost a hundred grand, right? Yeah. Well, okay. The the Don's Trust as an organization doesn't require a hundred grand to run. You know, they, the Don's Trust meets every two weeks or every month above a pub in Wimbledon. You know, so there's basically a hundred grand going, I'd imagine, towards the club, towards club activities, etc. In terms of why join the Don's Trust, you know. It's interesting. I'm not convinced you have to. It's just that if you do want to get a vote on something like the stadium, and by the way, I agree with you. The idea of anyone being able to vote terrifies me. But I think the reality that's borne out is yeah. how many how many people voted for the for the board uh, for the um for the ground five hundred or something. Hmm. You know, under five hundred. So so okay. On the one hand, you might go, well, that's why it's so scary, right? Because now ten people joining in is five percent of the whole thing. But I would um. I would imagine if you the reason why you might want to join the Don's Trust is because you end up being one of 500 people who makes decisions or helps to make decisions. Now, just the one point I did want to make is you're right. There's a trade-off there. It's unideal to have lots of people who don't know what they're talking about making big decisions, of course. But on the other hand, and this is the thing you kind of have to weigh up, do you want the existential decisions out of your hands? Yeah, do you true. want the big calls out of your hands? And there's no way to get both. You know, It's impossible, really, to go to go... Well, only the most informed people can make the decisions, but we all feel as if we get a say. And you kind of have to cut your cloth somewhere. And it's almost a matter of preference here. For me, I would rather say, number one, there's some brilliant people on the board and we've done remarkably well, given how remarkably badly we've done, if you know what I mean, given how many cock-ups there have been along the way mm -hmm. in terms of communication and all the rest. 
and the 11 million pound gap, we've actually done remarkably well over the 20 odd years or whatever it is. And I guess like you say, Jamie, if, 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 if you're going to kick off about something, then you, you've got an option here. And if you don't take it, then actually, what, you know, we, me and Lee can moan about if it went the other way, we can kick off or moan about it, but we could have put 25 quid down and, 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 and had a say, I guess. Yeah, pick your poison. You know, pick your yeah, poison yeah. of opening it up to everyone. I mean, the Labour Party did this, right? They said, everyone can vote for the new leader. It's just you'll pay three pounds. And then Jeremy Corbyn got in because all these, you know, and that was something that was divisive within the country, but Labour loved. In a similar way with Wimbledon, okay, you can open it up, but then you might get a decision you don't like. In any case, I think shutting it off ends up meaning that, yeah, you ward off the risk of everyone who doesn't know what they're talking about getting a vote, but you still have your hand on the wheel in some meaningful way. And this football club, obviously lots of people feel differently, but lots of people value having their hands on the wheel, even if it risks of those 500 people, half of them not knowing what they talk about, which I think just given how small the numbers is, is unlikely, right? I think 495 of those 500 who have missed the England game and missed the Youth Cup game, probably are invested enough to read about it. That might be overly generous, but that's my sense. Yeah. I, I totally agree. That if you're going to miss the Youth, like I, I, I watched the Youth game instead of watching the Don's Trust because, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying there, Chase. Well, on the other point I had, and a few people messaged me personally regarding this, is they didn't receive any communication regarding any vote uh, and said that they didn't have a vote in the end, even though they were Don's Trust members because they had no communication. You also then have the conspiracy theories of that they people can't believe that only 50 people voted no uh, and, and there's missing votes and stuff like this. You know what I mean? It just gets crazy. And that's why I think some people don't want to be Don's Trust members because of the politics in the end just gets, it outweighs the good that the Don's Trust is possibly is doing. So Agreed do we feel as a group, and again, I'm happy to play host briefly, <laughs> the Don's trust is in a good place, a bad place. Do we feel, I mean, where, where, what do we think? Start with you, Jay. Such, I don't. It's such a good question. You see, I don't know enough about organisations and how they run to really. Well, know. Why not, Jamie? What's the matter with you? <laughs> yeah. You know, you're not invested enough, Jamie. Yeah. Well, see, that's the problem. Like, I think <laughs> League One football clubs are generally not run by a group of fans. I mean, that's true, right? Yeah. And that won't be by mistake. That'll be because generally professionals whose job it is full-time to run football clubs are better at it than fans. So you might have some big doubts, and I have some big doubts about the structure of the Don's Trust, despite being a fan. With that said, I love the group of people who are in it. I view them basically as having single-handedly made Plowlane happen at the last hour. And I'd be excited to see, admittedly because of my commitment and how excited I get about the premise of fan ownership, I'd be excited to see how this one plays out, with the caveat that we do some serious growing up. Um, however, the cock-ups with communication, yeah, I hear that and I go textbook. Like, it doesn't surprise me one jolt. And that stuff, we just have to be able to clean up yesterday. Because in a year's time, we're going to have a vote on something. And we're going to be on this podcast saying, no one got an email and then 250 people turned up. And then you ask the question, well, is it in a good place? And the answer is no. So I hope, that's sort of fence-sitting a little bit. But I go, ultimately, yeah, but we should sort it out. Later. I, I think the Don's Trust is in the uh, strongest position it's been in. I, I agree with Jamie. I know a lot of the people that are on the board. I don't always agree with them, but, uh, and, and, and yeah, I think people like Xavier, uh, Charlie Talbot, uh, even people like Hannah and stuff, uh, and uh, who's, what's her name? Jane Lonsdale. They're all people that are very, very passionate about Wimbledon. They're very passionate about making us better. As I said, I think it was Charlie Talbot who, who streamed the youth game. Uh, and got 3,000 people to watch that. Do you know what I mean? There's, they, they are doing some good things. Uh, just my, again, I just want to be a fan though. I just want to watch Wimbledon without all the politics. I don't get involved in, I don't, politics don't bother me at all. It, Labour, Conservative, Lib Dem, all that crap, I don't get involved in anyway. Football is the one thing that I love. I love going to watch it. I love going down the pub and moaning about it. Love doing this and moaning about it. Uh, so Lee, would there ever be a, a decision at the club that would you think that would be that important to you that you would pay the twenty five quid to? Put, I, I did, I did, I did pay the twenty five pound when we the last vote regards to the uh, with before the bond got put in. Oh really? Yes, because I thought that was such a big thing. Yeah, but, okay. and I think a lot of people did as well. Uh, and one positive from the meeting the other day, we had two hundred eighty five, I believe, streaming it in live. That's more than they get when they held it at King's Meadow or when they held it at a meeting. Okay. So they usually get about 100, I believe. Uh, you know Stephen Adams. You know Stephen Adams, Danny. 
he goes to all the meetings uh, and he's very invested in it he, you know he, he hasn't got much else really you know looking at steve so do you know what i mean he, he he's very invested he always gives me the information anyway because he loves it but we had 285 people live watching it where they would only normally get 100 so that is a as i said i do think that don's trust i tr i think i trust the people that are in charge at the moment and i know people yeah, I do, yeah. will always be wary of that but i just want to go football and watch games yeah, this is this is where the Don's trust is a bad thing, right? Because you're right, like that view you just expressed with football. I'm not interested in the Lib Dems and Labour and the Tories at all. Not, I want to just go watch football. Yeah, if you support like a club as we are, which is small, has cliques, is political, is fan owned, and then you throw in decisions that you have to make every five minutes. Yeah, it's a ball ache. I'm so, I so appreciate that. I think just the thing to say is I wonder, and this is an open question, I've got no idea how organisations run really. But could we not utilize, like if you ever had a conversation with Hannah or Graham or Jane, you know they care about the club and they know what they're on about. Is there a way that we can employ, I mean, this is a budgetary question maybe, a bunch of people, execs, to run the football club and be guided by the Don's Trust, which I think was the ultimate aim, right? You have the Don's Trust as the fan oversight board. Because, you know, Jane works at, I think, the Bank of England. You know, she doesn't work at Wimbledon Football Club. She does it in her evenings and she does brilliantly, but it would be, you'd rather have her kind of weighing in on direction than running the nuts and bolts and having sat in on the meetings i tell you they do do the nuts and bolts we don't have an executive it's almost around. like trustees almost aren't you which i guess they kind of are really yeah it's exactly but you kind of haven't got overlords they don't own it but they have got the best interests i mean i guess that's what you're voting for yeah exactly and it reminds me of the thing you know we were talking about do we want a short-term plan or a long-term plan for the end of the season well let's have a short-term plan until may and then go long term. That seems feels like the compromise. And maybe, yeah, and I'm, I'm shooting from the hip with the Don's trust. Maybe everything that everyone's saying about I didn't get any comms and there's a conspiracy theory and does this work is totally true. And what we need to do is just sort of structure it a little bit different. So you have professionals running it, like they might run Charlton, albeit not the best example of how to run a football club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and let the great people, because they are brilliant people on the board, do this thing. I mean, may, I don't know if that's just total fence sitting. But I, uh, Dan, going back on your point about where the Don's Trust is, if you look a few years ago, and, and everyone who's ever sat on the Don's Trust, I applaud them because it's not something that I'm going to do anytime Definitely. soon. I, I guess Jamie probably will. Jamie might do. I don't know what he does for a living and stuff, but he sounds like he's someone in a few years that probably might sit on the board or go for the board, become a board member. But this is the only time where I think that we've got business people, we've got people with know-how behind them that have done stuff before that will help with the Don's Trust and the football club. Before, I think there was a lot of fans who got involved who didn't really know. They, do you know what I mean? It's like me being on the board. People would, it's ludicrous if I ever got on the Don's Trust board because I've got no background with regards to finance, any business or anything like that. This is, the, I think, the best board that we've had in a very long time. And like you said, you don't want you, just because you've been a fan for twenty five years doesn't mean you know what's best to run a football club. And it's yes, we can encapsulate the spirit of what we believe our football club is and how we want to operate. But like you said, the thought of my vote being the difference between whether we take half a million pound or not when I don't have a clue on anything. I mean, the only thing I would be <laughs> curious about is whether they did like a one pager. These are the pros. These are the cons. This is the money. This is what this looks. These are comparatives. Let's go. I'd be yeah that would be um yeah it's an interesting conversation chat and I go back to Jamie this is one of my only problems as well this is one of my issues is anytime there was a vote people wanted to know the well the ins and outs the proper in, how much someone asked one of the questions at the uh Don's Trust meeting was will Broncos pay for the electricity they're using which I thought was just a ludicrous question it blew my mind why would you like it's, it's I don't know people and I don't take offense if you ask that question because I just thought it's, it's minuscule and, and people wanted to know how much money would be used for water stuff like that they wanted to know the four wins and outs and sometimes that just can't be done i think that's the pro i think that's where jamie's talking about a little bit maybe perhaps there's all of you guys are fan are you happy for us to go down this road great right you 12 organize that you can work out the best deal from it the fans want this we want to go this direction you give us the best deal i, I kind of feel that that makes me feel more comfortable rather than donut prices or oh do we want chicken or chips i mean i don't care let them guys if they want to do that decision let them do it sorry joe yeah you know i think that's all dead on like i didn't know that was question was asked but to me 
okay, you can hear that and go, well, it's just people wanting to be informed. But it makes me nervous that people are wanting to be informed on that level of detail. Yeah. I'd much rather do what you just said, Danny, where you said, you know, do we like the general idea? Okay, we've elected you to go and organize the thing. That to me makes me think, okay, this thing's under control by people who know what they're doing much more than I know what I'm doing. You know, I want to support a football club. I want to, you know, I care about 442 or 433 and not even on a Saturday afternoon, if I've had a bit, you know? I don't care about water prices and I don't want to. With that said, uh, we just need to find a way, I guess, then in conclusion to sum, sum this little piece of mine up. We just need to find a way to let the people do their jobs to go sort the thing. And we can occasionally dip our toes in with the big existential decisions and have a big fight on Facebook every 18 months about whether we're fan owned or not. And that's just life as a Wimbledon fan. I could live with that. I can't live with the electricity bills being chatted about in the way you just described, Lee. No, I think that's spot on. I think that's where I think we will leave that chat. I think that was that's spot on, Jamie. So uh, again, one day I hope you do run for the Donstrass board, mate, because you hey, sound. You get my vote. You're brilliate. Yeah, you sound like you're spot on, mate. If you <laughs> put a manifesto, of course, yeah, you'd be on it. So next, we'll come back with a quick preview for the game on Saturday against Accrington. <laughs> Right, welcome back. And we are now going to be discussing the game against Accrington. It's going to be a quick preview. Uh, what do we think, boys? Would Jod's back, yeah? Yes. Okay. He's had his Easter break, so. Well, that, yeah, yeah. He's run out of Easter eggs. Um, if, if ever we're going to play, mind you, they, they, I think they beat Oxford 2-1 on Monday. Um, I'd like to think, I think if we're gonna if if Palmer and Piggott can start up top and if, if Robbo can let go of this, we're only gonna play one up top. Um, it would be great for us for morale just to have a more of a go at it with the two up the top and be a bit more physically aggressive up front. Um, but unfortunately, if we don't, I think it, it could be a little bit of um, yeah, rinse and repeat. Yeah, rinse and repeat what you're scared of, isn't it? Because there's nothing to suggest it's going to be anything different unless you do change something. I mean, with that said, I mean, I really like Accrington, right? Like, we're often thrown in the same category as them because we're not the biggest clubs in the world, etc. And I've always enjoyed going up there. With that said, you know, the big difference between us and them is they've got four players who play every week with 33 and nasty, and that's why they're 11th or whatever they are. So unless we go up there and put in one of those performances that we're occasionally known to do three times a year, where we go and take a game to someone and we look good and electric and co-cohesive, I worry it's going to be very much the same. I don't have any, nothing about that fixture screams to me. This is the three points. I'm the same as you. I like Accrington. I think their chairman's absolutely spot on. If you follow him on Twitter, he always uh, makes some great brilliant. points. Yeah, he is brilliant. Uh, I, I like. I don't like the away end. To be fair, I've never been to Accrington, but I wouldn't like the away end if I did, <laughs> because it's uh, you've got no roof there. I don't, I don't like games with no roofs. But they lost seven nil to Peterborough the other week, so it's not like they're they can't be beaten. It's not like they're. They, like Fleetwood, to be fair to him, had only scored conceded three goals, I think, in the last six games, where Accrington are conceding goals. So I think my question to you boys is: Do we go for it? Is it a case of again this? I hate this. Do not lose, or do we just go for the win? And if we if we get beat, we get beat, but we have to try and go for it. Or do we set up four, two, three, one? I think for me, we're now getting to the point where we're almost looking at those games in hand. So for me, I'm taking a point at Accrington. And then I'm there saying, right, we've got these two games in hand. It's at the, they're at home, which I think is I think one's Swindon and one's Rochdale potentially. Um, yeah. that, that's the way I'm setting up. I'm thinking we're going to beat Swindon, we'll beat Rochdale. One of them's Ipswich. One of them's Ipswich. Oh, crikey, mm. here we go. So then we'll beat, we'll, we'll try, have to try and get four points out of it. And then it will be a straight foot race to see who gets the most points out of them games. But I think, I, I think unfortunately, out of this. <laughs> Out of this nine points that we had available out of these three games, um, yeah, three points would have been the absolute minimum I'd have wanted. Um, and I, yeah, but I think I think I think we'll get a point. I don't think we'll get much more than that. They're exactly yeah. the big strong side, aren't they? They're big, they're hustle and bustle. I'm not sure they're exactly who we want to play against, but I don't know. What do I know? Yeah, I think you're right. Like you take a point. What I'd say though is going and wanting to take a point probably means having a go. 
because we don't have enough about us in terms of quality to hang in a game and then be really clinical and win one nil. I think if we're going to want to get something, our chances of getting something increases exponentially if we can manage the score. So <laughs> I'd quite like us to go there and play two up front and have a go. With that said, I'm with you all the way. I would take a point and then just freak out for the last two weeks and see what happens. Yeah, my, my worry is that we've, we look better defensively, but we've still got a mistake in us. Uh, we don't look like scoring, but I, I'd go with Palmer up front and drop Pig, Palmer and Longman. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Pig in the game because, as we've seen before, big, strong defensive players just get all over him and he gets frustrated and we get frustrated. So I'd have, I'd have Palmer and uh, Longman up front. So, right, let's get some predictions off you, boys. So, Danny, start with you. What's your prediction, score prediction? Okay, here we go. If we play one up front, we're going to lose 1 0. And if we go for it and play two up front, we're going to draw 1 1. So I'm going to stick my neck out of the line. Robbo's going to play one up front. And unfortunately, we're going to lose by the odd goal 1 0. I don't think we're going to score more than one for the rest of the season, unless we do something drastically different. So yeah, I wish I didn't. I wish... Yeah, I wish I didn't agree. I think, I think one... it's got 1 1 written all over it, doesn't it? A team whose season is slightly petering out because they can't quite make the playoffs versus a team who aren't very good. Kind of feels like a one-all draw, doesn't it? Anything that thinks I think that we might get some goals is that I think Accrington can score against us and they might score first and we then have to go for it because losing games are done. But I think I think he will go with two up front. I think he'll go Palmer and Pig, but he'll worry that we'll go too long ball. And I think it's going to be Desmond. I'm going 2-2. Two, two. Oh, take two goals tomorrow. I just think we're going to have to. We'll concede goals and we'll have to go for it. We can't can't just sit back if we're one 0 down, can we? <laughs> I, I just don't know who's you... going to score two goals, Lee. I just don't know who's going to score it. I love your optimism. I just I don't know where we've, these we've two. Got, got we could have had later. goals the last two games. I just take two shots on target at the moment. To be fair, yeah, so. yeah, true, yeah. Do you know what I mean. I was going to say <laughs> why why is two two so exciting compared to one one? It's like, oh because we've scored twice. That implies all the stuff about us going forward. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just to see Andrews, wouldn't it? It'd be lovely to see Andrews, who we've got who? A, Corey Andrews. Who's who's? Have we signed a guy called Corey Andrews? <laughs> All I know is that he can sing "Twinkle Twinkle Little Star." Would it be amazing if he could be on the bench and we just see somewhat one of our players run? And if he lasts longer than a minute, he's done more than Shale Harrison. Bless him. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that is the end of that for tonight. So thanks very much for joining us, Jamie and Danny. Thanks, guys. Pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. No problem. Right, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Wombles Had a Dream podcast. If you would like to contact us, you can do so by Twitter at Wombles Dream or via Facebook at the Wombles Had a Dream. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.